You're listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. This podcast exists to encourage, empower, and equip you to share your story, and with it, the gospel. On today's episode, Micah and I were joined by Dr. Rita Carr, author and founder of Hope Unlimited Ministries. Dr. Carr shares with us how she came to know Jesus after years of rebellion, how the Lord led her to start a ministry, and how she found hope during a painful season of life. But I'll let her tell the story. Growing up, my dad was enlisted in the Air Force, which allotted us wonderful times of travel. But within my home, there was a turbulent time of disagreement and anger, which as a young girl, that greatly troubled my heart. Later, after leaving the Air Force, my dad became employed at the United States um, Capital as a police officer, which later my mother and father divorced. This left within my heart a God-shaped vacuum, a vacuum of loneliness and wondering if my daddy truly loved me. And yet it left within my heart a yearning to be with my father. But it seems with the divorce that my father not only divorced my mother, but it seemed that my father had divorced my siblings and I. So as time went on, I continued living in the God-shaped vacuum, yet rebelliousness began to grow in my heart. That rebelliousness was anger because my father was no longer there, and yet there was a pain that longed to have my father's love. Because of that, Later years, instead of leaving, going to college after high school, I in turn married. Yet marriage did not fulfill the void and the pain in my heart. And so I moved on, he moved on, we divorced, and I became a single mother of a young girl, my precious young girl. And then later I remarried, which was a turbulent marriage of anger, and his very abusive way. And yet the God-shaped vacuum in my heart continuously continued to grow, which not only caused the vacuum to grow, but the pain in the depths of my heart began to grow. And the more I tried to fill it, nothing seemed to work. Because at that time I did not know and understand that what I was longing for was Jesus Christ because only he and he alone can fulfill those God-shaped deep vacuums in our life. Only Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone can give us hope. And so while married, I began to seek to fulfill the void in my heart with education. I thought, well, If I had more education, I would feel better about me. If I had more education, this void in my heart wouldn't be as deep. So I went on the journey of seeking more and more education. And yet one blessed day, a couple came to my home. 
and they came to share with me the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, at that time, I was attending a little Baptist church, and I thought, well, uh, they're not telling me anything new. I've been baptized and I go to church and I'm going to heaven. But as they opened the word of God, they began to show me that I needed a savior. And that savior was Jesus Christ. Yet I rejected them because in my own self-righteousness, I thought I was doing enough to go to heaven. This couple, John and Lillian, returned the next day. As I heard the knock on my door, I wondered, who could that be? And I opened the door and to my surprise, there they were, willing again to share with me the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. So they sat down and again began to open the word. And as they opened the word of God, I began to hear it, not with my head, but with my heart. And I began to ask questions. And as I asked questions, the Holy Spirit gave them wisdom to give me the answers. And before they left that day, I, by God's wonderful grace, bowed my head and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. I began to go to church with them and I began to fellowship with them and they began to help me grow in God's word. But soon after that blessed day that they came to my home, they left moving to South Carolina. Oh, what a sad day for me. But at their leaving, I did not continue on. I began to go my own way because though I was saved, I had not surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. So the journey of education and the journey of career continued. But God was constantly pulling at my heart. Yet that blessed day, I was searching on my radio station, seeking to find something that would be a blessing and encouragement to me. And so as I was searching, I hear this pastor say Galatians 2.20. And he began to talk about surrendering your whole life to Jesus Christ, surrendering your all, letting Jesus Christ have total reign over your life. And as I heard that, I thought to myself, I cannot surrender my whole life to Jesus. And so I listened. And as I listened, I began to say to myself, how is it possible to give Jesus everything? And so the message was over. And then I decided within my heart, I cannot give Jesus Christ my total life. But I began to call others and ask them what they thought surrendering your life to Jesus Christ meant. One person said to me, well, it meant you can't wear pants, you can't do this, all the do's and don'ts. And I thought, mm, that's not what I want. But that pastor had given his phone number 
to, to the listeners, and I was one of them. And later I called him and I asked him, what did surrenderance mean? And he explained, it meant to give Jesus Christ your life, to surrender to him and let him have full control over your life. And as I began to listen to him, I had purpose in my heart that that would never be me. So the Lord allowed me to take a journey. And that journey was bringing me, Rita Carr, to the very end of herself. I went on a journey that seemed as though I had lost all hope. There was no joy. There was no laughter. And I again called that pastor one wee hour of the night. And I asked that pastor about surrenderance. And he was so glad I called because he said these words. I pray that God would bring you to the very end of yourself. As he spoke those words, I said to him, to the very end of myself, why did you pray that? And he began to share with me his testimony, how as a missionary, he had gone to another country and how he thought that he would go and do the work of Christ without Christ. And one day, after being on the field and no soul saved, he went back to his apartment in total despair. And he shared with me that at that point, he had came to the very end of himself. And he cried out to the Lord in surrenderance, asking God, to deliver him. And he shared that God did exactly that, that God brought him to surrenderance. And he shared with me that his life had never been the same. After listening to him, my heart still hardened against surrenderance. I hung up the phone thanking him and continued on the journey of hopelessness. And then one wee hour of the morning, when I felt this is it, I cannot live like this any longer. I climbed out of bed and fell on my knees and said, Lord, here's my life. I don't know how or what way you're going to bring the joy back into my life. But Lord, here's my life. And my life has never been the same. The scripture that that wonderful pastor shared that day on the radio was Galatians 2.20, which says, I am crucified with Christ. Neither less I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me, who loved me and gave himself for me. What a glorious day. John 3.16 was the scripture to show that without Christ, I was on my way to eternal hell, eternally separated from God. Yet Galatians 
was the scripture that brought my heart and my knees to the cross, allowing, no, asking God to take total control of my life. And again, my life has never been the same. And through the journey, God began to, to, to heal those barren places in my life with his word, to, to, to let me know that I was not alone. And yet, 1 John 1, 9, that says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us. And Jesus Christ did exactly that. As the word of God began to begin to take root in my life and, and begin to, to bring forth hope and substance and strength, my life began to change and my heart began to yearn more and more for the word of God because truly it was the word of God that changed my life. It was the word of God that, that took that void and, and began to fill it with his presence and through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within me, God began to heal those wounded areas in my life. Because oftentimes Christians live a life that is broken, live a life of struggle, but, the, but God's word says that he's not to a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And yet often Christians struggle with fears and doubts. But God's word says in Isaiah 41, 10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thou God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my right hand. And yet sometimes Christians will become afraid of failure and embrace the things of the world and the void that is in them grows deeper and deeper. But God showed me through his word in John 14, 27, that says, peace I give unto you, not as the world give, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. But one Wonderful Christmas Eve, God had a brother in Christ to share a scripture. And this was the church of Pastor Randy that I attended when the Lord took a hold of my life and began to change me from within to without. And the scripture is Lamentations 3. 21 to 23, which says, this I recall to my mind. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thou faithfulness. What an awesome God we serve. I remember when the Lord first brought me to New Life Baptist Church. 
and I began to grow. But yet there was something missing in my life. I began to see brothers and sisters go to the altar and they would weep and they would cry over lost loved ones and friends and neighbors. Yet I did not have that love in my heart for hurting lost and dying world. So I began to cry to the Lord. And I began to ask the Lord, Father, give me a love for hurting, lost, and dying world. And God did exactly that. And that person was my lost brother. I remember I would go into the quietness of a bedroom and I would fall on my knees and I would weep and I would cry out to the Lord. Lord, please save my brother's soul. Please, Lord, save my brother's soul. And one day, my pastor, Pastor Randy, went to see him, and he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He has since passed, but there's a homecoming, and that homecoming will be the day I will surely see my brother again. What a day of the, what a day of rejoicing that would be. So as time went on, the Lord enabled me to have a career, but yet be involved in ministry. There was a camp that I would take children to in the Tennessee area, and I would take busloads. But it wasn't I, but it was Christ that enabled me to do that. And giving God the glory, doing those many trips to that wonderful Christian camp for youth, many of them gave their life to Jesus Christ. And the Lord began to spun me into a career. But yet, even in that career, I continue to seek the Lord in being a light to hurting, lost, and dying world, as well as the career he had given me. And so, as time continued, the Lord enabled me to continue going to school with, by his grace, various degrees, to become a licensed counselor, to become a director. But my heart yearned for ministry because I remember God's promise on a rainy, dark evening. As I was driving down a winding road, the Lord began to speak to my heart. And the Lord ministered to me that one day I would be in ministry. And he was going to use my life in great and mighty ways. Maybe great and mighty wasn't what another may have seen or see as great and mighty. But for me, what God calls great and mighty in my life, that's what God has called. And so when the Lord began to speak to me about ministry, about using me in great and mighty ways, I began to look at my choices in my past. 
my divorces and just my rebelliousness when I was young. And the Lord reminded me of Peter and how he had denied him, showed anger and curse. But God reminded me that Peter became one of his mightiest disciples. And my heart began to rejoice that God could take someone like Rita Carr, me, and call me in ministry to reach a hurting, lost, and dying world. Oh, words cannot explain the love of Christ that I felt at that moment. And I will never forget that dark, rainy evening, driving down that winding road. God's words to me, read a card that he wanted to use me to serve him. What a day of rejoicing that was for me. Later, the Lord called me into full-time ministry. And the way to describe that is hallelujah, hallelujah. I remember prior to ministry, I had just started working at another organization and the Lord was opening doors and, and promoting me and just doing some really wonderful things in the career he had given me. But my heart yet again was yearning for full-time ministry. For that promise on that rainy, dark night, on that winding road, when God told me that he was calling me into ministry and that he was going to do great and mighty things in my life. So that particular night, I was on my knees and I was crying out to the Lord, when, Lord, when? And the Lord gave me promises about what he was going to do as he journeyed me in ministry. And one thing that God spoke to my heart was, I've given you away, walk ye in it. And praise God, shortly after, very shortly after, suddenly God opened the door and there I was in the calling of full-time ministry. What a day, great day of rejoicing. The Lord called me in the ministry, and yet the Lord called me to go to other nations. Now, I had never been on a plane, and yet to say terrifying, that was the least. But the Lord gave me a promise that if I followed him, if I trusted him, and got on the plane that he would give me peace beyond myself and that he would take care of me. So there I was, by the grace of God, on a plane, my very first plane, traveling to Africa, Uganda, Africa, to work in the villages, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ sharing the love of Christ and his word 
and his words of eternity, John 3, 16, and his words of hope. What a blessed time that was. The Lord gave me tremendous peace, not only while on the plane, but yet tremendous peace and love for a hurting, lost, and dying country. Yet the world as a whole is hurting, lost, and dying without the hope of a savior, Jesus Christ. And through that, that time when I began to weep, asked the Lord to give me love for a hurting lost and a very dying world. Yet while in Africa, I was, I'm able to see that God answered that not only in the United States, but around the world. So the Lord continued to take me to various countries, to uh, Africa, Haiti, Thailand, Honduras, Dominican Republic, and many other countries. And God did this by his grace. And yet, as God called me that blessed, wonderful season, yet as God called me into ministry, he birthed in me a ministry called Hope Unlimited Ministries. And so by the grace of God, this is 25 years that Hope Unlimited Ministries has been, or should I say that God has birthed it for. And it has been a beautiful journey. It has been a journey not without heartaches and heartbreaks. But yet, God has used all of that for his good and for his glory. Uh, Hope Unlimited Ministry is now international ministry and giving God the glory. We have 32, again, by God's wonderful grace, single parent businesses in, um, in Kenya and in Africa. And so these businesses are uh, 32 are between the two. Also, um, we offer here, giving God the glory, many, many different ministry serv services for single parent families, such as counseling, workshops, conferences, retreat, um, parent support groups. By the grace of God, Lord's given me a ministry outreach. Uh, there's a, a ministry uh, within the prison, um, individual Bible study, mentoring, uh, exciting parent and child activities, uh, youth outreach uh, each week, praise God. I counsel uh, youth and they are just precious. Training, um, I provide missions trips to teach single mothers um, how to reach other communities in other states within the United States. Um, we have also, by the grace of God, a yearly celebration of hope, and that's in a, uh, a park, large park here uh, in, in uh, the area I live in Chattanooga. And um, it's called, again, the Celebration of Hope 
we celebrate the name of Jesus and his love for single parent families and his love for hurting lost and dying world. And praise God, we have a food pantry and um, we have a yearly Christmas event and giving God the glory, we were able to serve 214 individuals within single parent families. And then uh, praise God, we have the Lord I Surrender Conference and uh, we have Christian artists that come and just bless the ladies. And, and the focus is surrenderance, Galatians 2.20. And yet um, the focus is sharing the wonderful uh, gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, praise God, to give the ladies hope. And also by the grace of God, um, and yet his loving grace, I have a weekly radio program called Moments of Hope. And uh, the Lord's enabled me to write for Christian magazine. And, um, and also giving God the glory, I am an author. And yet God reminds me that Hope Unlimited Ministries is not my ministry. It's not a read a card ministry. It's God's ministry. And so through the journey of ministry, there came a fateful day in my life. The word of God says, it is appointed unto man once to die and after death, the judgment. I remember on October the 11th, 2010, my son had just gotten home from work and I was preparing to leave. And as I was preparing to leave, knowing that, that he had worked third shift as a program specialist, that he needed to pick up for my grandchildren. I hugged him, kissed him on the cheek and prayed for him. And I asked the Lord not to allow the deers to come out because traveling the road that I live off of, there are deers that will come out and jump in front of your car. But I remember praying for him, asking God to take care of him. And I remember kissing my son's cheek. He had a beard and, and I kissed his cheek and remembered the, the bushiness of it. And so I said to him, I love you, son. And he said to me, mom, I love you too. And he kissed my cheek. I left shortly after. As I was traveling, I get a call and there's a woman, I didn't know her. She was crying and very upset and explaining to me that there had been an accident. And uh, she asked if I was Rita Carr, I said, yes. And so um, she said, there was an accident. And I said, are my grandchildren okay? And she said, yes. I said, what about my son? And she began to just scream. And so, um, and so with that, um, we hung up and I thought to myself, you know, um, but I thought about her emotions. And, and so I hung up thinking that, you know, there had been another incident or two where there had been an accident. 
um, in the midst of my family. And I thought, he's fine. So I turned around and went to the accident. And it happened as he was on his way back home with my grandchildren. And so I parked my car and I remember uh, uh, walking, half running to the accident. And my son's car was parked, had, had, um, was turned into a field where it had driven off the road. And so as I'm walking to the car, there's a man standing next to his car. And so as I'm walking closer, suddenly this man is standing in front of me. And I remember him being really tall because I looked up and I could just see his height. And it's like I was just, you know, looking up at the clouds because he was so tall. And I was, you know, just looking at him. And, and he said these words to me. He said, your son has passed from this life. Go help those in the land of the living. And so I just turned around and and um, as I turned around, it was a it was a horrendous sight because his car was in one location and and when I first came, I didn't notice all the ambulance and and the, and the fire truck and so. Um, but my grandchildren came to, one of them came to me, two was in the ambulance and, and, um, and one had been air forced, um, the helicopter. And so, um, as I'm walking away, my granddaughter, I remember her just being hysterical. And so I looked at a woman and I said, this man told me that my son was dead. Because when uh, that man said to me, he had passed from this life, go help those in the land of the living. I knew what he meant. And so uh, my grandson being life force, his skull was cracked and, and he was having uh, convulsions. And um, it was just, it was just a, a saddening situation, but in the midst of that, God sustained me in a way that I myself cannot explain. It was as though God had lifted me up and wrapped his arms around me and carried me. But I had told the Lord the next day after the accident, I had said, Lord, I can never drive down that street again. And the Lord gave me some promises. And that was to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And that we grieve not like those who have no hope. And so, and then God gave me after death, then the judgment. And so God gave me those scriptures to assure me that all was well and that I would see my beloved gentle giant again. And I want to say how my son loved Jesus. He was 30, waiting to become a youth pastor. And 
waiting on a wife. And he had made a commitment. And this is something my, my I have another son who's a pastor, but my son, the, the pastor says, mom, Victor wouldn't want you to tell that. But Victor had remained um, as a virgin until God was was to send him, he, he thought, a wife. But I must say that during that journey with Victor, the testimony of his life showed in the multitudes that came. I remember at the funeral home, over 900 and something individuals came and they, individuals, brothers and sisters and folks were wrapped around the funeral home, just waiting to come in. What a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness. Now it has been since Victor's home going, it has been this year, 11 years. It seems at times like yesterday, but that same peace, that same holding, that same joy, that God gave me throughout the journey of Victor's home going, it exists within me today by God's wonderful grace. And the amazing thing, I was scheduled to be in India with a team to speak by the grace of God at a women's conference and, um, uh, and to minister to women. But God used Victor's home going to share with women in India that even in your deepest grief, that God will meet you there and will be that light in the darkness of that grief. And I, I must say that God is faithful. God has taught me that prior to Victor's home going. And I have learned that no matter what we go through, that God is faithful. And that God never leaves his children, never to journey alone. You both are a blessing. Thank you. No, thank you for doing this. You have a very powerful story. I think it very, very clearly demonstrates just the sovereignty of God. And I'm very excited for people to hear it. The fact that you're willing to share your story with our listeners is a, more of a blessing than I think you'll ever know. Mm-hmm. Well, to, praise God. To God be the glory, man. Amen first set of questions are kind of geared around just a, a general aspect of your your story it, and so I'm curious what part did community within the church play in your life what part of the community um meaning after I became a Christian uh yeah absolutely okay well the the well the part that the church uh, played in my life, uh, was the tremendous role of loving me 
and embracing me as their sister and being a vital source of encouragement. And yet, uh, the body of Christ and I, as a family, growing together. And I can truly say the church that I attend now, which is um, Woodland Point Baptist Church, has just been such a tremendous blessing and anchor of encouragement over the 34 years of being part of the fellowship of Christ there. So you kind of touched on this already, but um, I didn't know if there was any more um, room for explanation a little bit further, but how how did being a single parent affect your view of God the Father? It, it enabled me to see the more in-depth view of who God the Father is to single mothers. And uh, it enabled me to see that the Lord is hope when the circumstances seem hopeless, peace when circumstances come in like a tidal wave and uh, to be finances or just a variety of different things. But the Lord was always, as a single mother, my sustainer. And as well as for my children, um, the Lord enabled them through his word uh, to see his great love for them as, his, as their savior and, and Lord, and yet as their father. Uh, and that's a beautiful picture of how God um, takes our brokenness and makes it whole. Amen. That's right. That's right. And, and that, that is so very true. And the Lord is patient where there's brokenness. Often you hear individuals that say they are broken. And yet you may have other individuals that say, okay, how long has it been? You're not over it yet. But God is gentle. God is patient. And his patience is so loving because it enables us to go before the Father and allow him to pull back as a lair every wound, every pain, every heartache, and go deeper into the areas that are broken and to minister hope and healing in the midst of that pain. Not only to single mothers, but to those who come to him with a heart seeking him in the midst of their pain. That's good. Kind of kind of coming out of that, uh, Scar, I just want to say I'm sorry to hear about your son's car wreck. Uh, that must have been just a very traumatic moment. Um, and I know God brought good out of it, but it's still difficult. Um, what would you say to someone who has suffered such a huge loss and is having a difficult time reconciling the love of God with trials and losses and heartache? 
I would say to them to grieve and that cry when the tidal waves of tears are deep within. Grieve and cry. But do know that the tidal waves of grief will not destroy you. That God is greater and that the Lord will hold you in the midst of the storms of grief. And that like the Red Sea, when the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea, and I'm, I have often thought that as they journeyed through and the sea was divided, uh, were there at times water uh, from the uh, waters being divided? Did it at times just uh, splatter a little on their face? And so for me, that's the, that's the red seas of life that we go through. The sea is departed. The waters are lifted uh, uh, between us. But I find that through that journey of that walk, no matter what, I may feel that God brings us safely to the other side. And that is grief. Through that journey, you will grieve, you will cry, and you will long. But God will carry you. God will sustain you, and God will give you peace. And yet, every journey is different. And, and as you heal in the journey, it doesn't mean it stops that that emotion of the void of your child. But what it does is God will give you peace in the midst of that void, assuring you that he is there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The tidal waves will not overtake you. And God will again carry you safely to the other side. That's good. Thank you. I just something you said really stood out to me, like, go ahead and grieve. I mean, you read the Psalms, the book of Psalms, and, and you see David lamenting openly. And I think that's just so important for people to keep in mind. It's super, it's so healing for people to recognize it's okay to take that pain to God. And he is going to be there, but it's okay. And you can grieve. So thank you for sharing that. So we're going to move on to uh, our next section of questions, um, which we're going to going to ask some questions about racial tensions and reconciliation. Are, are you okay talking about that right now? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So I think the protests and riots of 2020 highlighted the divide that still exists between black and white Christians in America. Um, if you're okay with it, we're going to discuss that for a second. Mm -hmm. What went through your mind when you began to see the news reports about what was happening in our country? Well, what went through my mind was to pray. And what went through my mind as well was this is a time that the body of Christ need to seek the Father for the souls of man. 
And this was a time that we needed to seek the Father for reaching those who have been angered and sometimes hatred for one another. You know, the scripture says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all and have all made to drink into one spirit. Racism is not a race issue, it's a heart issue. And one cannot define racism by the color of another skin. It is a heart issue and racism is sin. And so when we look at what is going on in the world, the struggle of of anger and racism, we as believers in Jesus Christ, we must see it as sin. And that when one lives in the sin of racism, that they miss the opportunities to build strong, loving relationships with individuals of other races. And so the enemy, who is Satan, seeks to bring destruction and distortion in the lives of America, turning them from truth and causing them to look in a direction of hatred and lack of love. And one would say, what do you mean by that? I mean that just like any other sin, when we begin to embrace sin, it begins to destroy and distort truth. But when we begin to look inward at our own selves and begin to ask the question, am I part of the sin of racism? And so again, we the body of Christ, we have the answer. We are the body. We are the children of God and we should never, ever embrace anything outside of the truths of what God says about racism. I uh, I know recently you wrote an article titled The Sin of Racism, and in that you said, the sin of racism is not determined by a race or culture, but the sin of racism individually affects the heart of one that embraces the lies of Satan. That just jumped out at me because it's so true. Like it is a It is a person by person thing. Um, that hatred towards another person. Um, and that does, I mean, that comes from the enemy. It comes from Satan and people need to, man, they just need to be addressing that in their own heart because that's very contrary to what, what God has planned. Like he has a plan to restore all the nations, every culture, every person, um, or per- people group, I should say, to himself. So could you offer some steps for, for Christians who 
want to begin to seek racial reconciliation and to, to bridge that gap between cultures? I would love to. Um, in one of the books that the Lord enabled me to write, I had put some steps uh, in befriending individual and carrying the gospel cross-culturally. And this is not um, defined for any particular race, but just potentially maybe tools that can be a blessing to help one carry the gospel cross-culturally. One, confess any unresolved cultural issues. Also, reach others cross-culturally with love and prayer. Commit to reach the harvest field beyond your cross-cultural boundaries. Reach cross-culturally to be one in the body of Jesus Christ, Romans 12, 14 through 5. If you are struggling with racism, lay your heart before the Lord and let your life be a living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1. Totally committed to his will of reaching across racial boundaries, carrying the good news of the gospel of God's word. Also, run the race with endurance as you seek to reach someone of a different culture or race that may seem very difficult. Hebrews 12.1. Commit to being a light in the body of Jesus Christ, reaching others with the love of Jesus Christ, showing compassion, building broken, building broken bridges, and mending hearts with the love of Jesus Christ. John 15.12. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I know me personally, I, I grew up in a, a small town where r racism was rampant. Uh, some of my family members were, were pretty blatantly racist. And that was something that when I came to faith, I had to had to address and grow out of. Um, so I know those those steps will be very helpful for a lot of people who are who are struggling with that issue in their lives. So, again, thank you for sharing those. Thank you. And also, I would like to add, um, when one lives again in the sin of racism, there are so many wonderful missed opportunities to build strong, loving relationships with individuals of other races. Yet, we must remember we are the body of Jesus Christ. And one day, we as believers in Jesus Christ We'll spend eternity together when this life on earth has passed. Galatians 3.15. What led you to pursue a career in counseling? Well, um, initially I started off wanting to be a computer programmer. And the Lord just began to unfold that 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 journey, that path, that calling in my life. And so as that began to unfold, um, then in turn, um, God began to open many doors of, um, of training as well as degrees. Uh, so one thing I, I'm curious about is, is there a specific area of counseling that you, you've chosen to focus on? Uh, for instance, my wife is a counselor and, and she tends to focus on trauma. 
My area of counseling that I focus primarily on is is A&D and trauma, which includes a host of different areas, such as abandonment, domestic violence, abuse, um, child molestation. It, it, It includes many different areas. So Substance abuse, which is often used uh, to medicate the various issues that come from trauma. Uh, What part do you think uh, trauma or generational sin plays in single parent families, if, if any? In working with single parent families, often the pain of abandonment at times poverty, homelessness, and various different issues affect their lives. Yet, as in every life, the consequences of sin affects not only the single parent and anyone, but yet the lives of their children. Due to often generational choices or sin. It begins to, like a vine, begin to affect one generation to the next generation until the intervention of God's grace. I have seen where years of abandonment from a child to adult has affected that single parent mother. And because of that, it leads to relationships that only enhance the trauma in their life. And with this trauma and abandonment, the children see this, these areas of trauma, a sin, and they often grow up living in the pain and trauma of wrong choices and sin. Um, so we're, we're almost done, but we wanted to ask you a few questions about uh, writing and your experience with writing. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. How did you discover a passion for writing? One day the Lord placed it on my heart that He wanted me to write a book and I had never written a book nor had writing classes. And so I began to pray and step by step because of God's wonderful grace, the first book, my journey home, there's hope for single parent family and hurting women became a book. And so, um, so the Lord, um, in following his leadership and his, and his giving me knowledge and wisdom, the Lord enabled me to write the first book. And so from my journey home, the Lord enabled me to write the next book, 
which is uh, a study guide called My Journey Home, Jesus Christ, the Rescuer of Wounded Emotions. And the third book, which is called Jesus Christ, My Hope and Grief, My Gentle Giant, Victor Carr. And by God's grace, the fourth book is Lord, I Surrender, Committing to Christ to Overcome Life's Struggles. And also, the study guide about my son is a step-by-step journey of God's healing in my life. That's incredible to know that somebody who, who didn't necessarily ever intend on writing a book has published multiple books. Have there been any authors that impacted your work? No. And so uh, that's probably not a question be- for me because there hasn't been. And I'm being honest. <laughs> no, that's that's great. That's entirely fair. I've heard of, I'm, I'm a writer myself, and, and I've heard of a lot of authors who just, they just sit down and start writing, and n- nobody has an impact on their work. And I think that's so cool because it's literally, it's just their voice. Whereas if you read a ton of books by certain authors, their voice impacts the way that you write. And so it's not as much your voice, it's someone else's. So I think that's really cool. Well, as we were talking over the phone leading up to this interview, you mentioned that you were currently working on a new book. Could you tell us a little bit about what this this new book's going to be about? Well, this new book, um, a manuscript, Praise God, has been written. And it's about, um, it's a book for adolescents. And it's the journey of the various areas of pain that they encounter. And so along with that, um, I have, and again, by God's grace, started the process of a study guide to go along with the book. Well, that's great. I'm, do you have a title for it yet, a working title? The, the title of the book is Beyond the Pain. Beyond the Pain. That's great. Well, hey, if, if our listeners want to find your writing, where could they go? They can find the various books at uh, Strain Publication, and Strain Publication is spelled T-R-A-N-G, or Google author Rita Carr, C-A-R-R. The Bible verse that means so much to me and is a life verse is Lamentations 3, 21 to 23. And it says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faith. Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing, leaving a review, or sharing an episode with a friend. You can also follow us on social media. Just search underscore MV podcast on any platform. 
This podcast was created and produced by Micah Horvath and Kip Wilkinson. This episode is mastered and scored by J.A. Parkey. To learn more about this project, you can visit mvpodcast.org. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story.